when we usually look at Matthew chapter 2, usually it's around the time of Christmas. But as we're going through the book of Matthew, really we're going to do a, we're doing a four-part series in the book of Matthew, and just looking at some highlights, I want us to be able to take a look at the, the sovereignty of God from, the, in, from this passage. And we really see the sovereignty of God all over this passage, and, and we see how that by simple obedience, and simple and immediate obedience, I should say, God's sovereign plan unfolds. It was simple and immediate obedience that helped Joseph and Mary see God's sovereign plan unfold, and you know, that, that principle can apply to us. If we are... are if we simply obey God and we immediately obey God, we will get to see God's plan, his sovereign plan for our life unfold around us. There are times when all of us, we look back on our life and we wonder, how do we get from there to here? And we look back and man, it was just by steps of obedience that we just trusted God and, and, and we believed his word and we took him at his word and God unfolded his plan around us. God's plan for us is much greater than anything that you could ever plan for yourself. Amen. And if we, we're obedient to that plan and, 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 and we obey immediately, we get to see what God has planned for us. One of the most difficult things to, to do with a child is to train them on first-time obedience. We tried with our girls to train them first-time obedience. Now they're 22 and 20 and I mean... You know, they, they are who they are, and, and now they're trying to train us on first-time obedience, you know? They're <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, it's, it's, they've grown up. But when they were little, we tried to teach them, when mom and dad speak, it's first-time obedience. It's not one, two, three, three and a half three and three quarters. No, it was first time. So if we ask, look, we want you to um, go clean up your room. Okay, we expect that to be done the first time. Okay, we don't, have, we don't expect to keep asking and asking and asking. Um, you know, that's really the same way with God. And, and why, why is that with the parents want that? And why does God want that? Parents want that, number one, because they don't want to pull their hair out. <laughs> And so you can see my girls didn't learn first-time obedience. <laughs> no, they're, they're really good girls. Um, but the, the reason that parents want that is because they're trying to develop in a, a, a child a submissive spirit. That you're willing to listen to God-given authority and create a submissive spirit. You, you want to break a child's will, but you never want to break their spirit. And so you want to create a submissive spirit. And you know, for us, God, our Father, who loves us infinitely more than we could ever love our children or grandchildren, he wants first-time obedience from us, immediate obedience, because he's trying to create within us a submissive spirit, and, and that way we will do what God has asked us to do. And as we do that, we get to see God's um, sovereign plan unfold around us. And I don't know about you, but to me, that's pretty exciting. To be able to watch how God can orchestrate things. If you are just obedient to him, listen, if you learn and I learn just to be obedient to God, guess what? The onus is on God to make sure that everything works out. But if you decide not to be obedient to God, not to be submissive to God, guess who the onus is on to make sure everything works out? 
how's that working out for you? You know and I know it's usually not too good, right? I mean, we do a good job of really messing up. I mean, we have plans and then we go back and we've got to revise our plan. I mean, we got businessmen in here, we got businesswomen in here, and you set up a plan at the, maybe at, at the end of 2017, you know, October, November, December, you were setting up maybe financial plans and maybe vision casting plans for your business and all this type of stuff. You have all these different plans, and then three days into 2018, you're like, oh no, I've got to revise my plan. Because things happen, right? Well, guess what? It's the same thing with us in our life. If, we may lay out our own plans and we may want to go in this direction, but we've got to revise our own plans because we're not perfect. But the wonderful thing is that if we simply and immediately obey God, God never has to revise his plan. God doesn't, and God's plan for us is, is what it is. And if we obey him, he doesn't have to revise his plan. Why? Because God knows all. And his way, the Bible tells us what? Is perfect. That God's way is perfect. Now, how, where do you want to walk? Do you want to walk in the perfect way or do you want to walk in a way where there's pit, you know, potholes <laughs> and, and there are branches in the way and, and I mean, you know, after these storms, what happened? There were branches all over, trees all over. What were you doing in your car? You're swerving all over the place, uh, you know, trying to avoid this because you don't want your car to get damaged. Guess what? When you go your own way, you're walking down a road with branches and potholes and you're trying to swerve all around it. But if there's so many, you can't. You're going to eventually hit something and it's going to, quote, unquote, damage your life, just like it would damage your car. It may not be severe damage. You say, oh, well, that's okay. It's just a little bump, a little nick here or there but you let that add up over a lifetime. And you know what happens to a car when it gets a dent in it and it's not fixed? It starts to get a little bit of rust, right? And, and we call that cancer on a car, right? And then, and then it starts to get eaten away. And then after a while, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then there's a hole in the side of your car. And all because you didn't follow the right way. Guess what? It's the same way for us spiritually. But if we simply obey God and we immediately obey God, we get to walk on the perfect path, the straight path. The, even though it's a narrow path, it is the best path that anybody could walk. Amen. And we get to see God's sovereign plan unfold around us. Guess what? Listen, you might be sitting here thinking, well, does God have a sovereign plan for me? He's got a sovereign plan for each and every one of us. That's how much you matter to God. He has a plan for you to glorify him, to honor him, to, to be able to exalt him in your life. No matter what, you say, well, I'm just a factory worker. Number one, you're not just a factory worker. You're a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ at wherever you work. Well, I'm just this or I'm just that. Wait a second. You were made in the image of God. You're more than just that. And God has a sovereign plan. I don't care where you work and what you do. God has a sovereign plan for your life. And he wants you to be obedient unto him so that that way you can experience the plan that he has for you. The wonderful thing is you say, well, pastor, I've been doing my own thing for a long time. You know what the wonderful thing is about grace? is that one day you can be walking your own road and the next moment you can be walking on his. 
Now, to get from there to here, there might be a little bit of difficulty. There might be some fences that need to be mended. There might be some apologies that need to be made. There might be some lifestyles that need to change. But guess what? Though it may be hard or a little harder to get from here to there, grace covers it all, but it's a whole lot easier than staying on this path. See, God unfolds his plan for us and his purpose for us in certain ways. There, there, there are three key elements that I see in this passage how God unfolded his plan, sovereign plan for Mary and Joseph. I want you to take a look first. I'm just going to speak to you this morning on the first point. That's it. Okay? So don't worry. All right? Don't, don't, don't sweat it. We'll go the first point and that's it. And when I'm done the first point, we'll be done. I've got one point, three subpoints, and under each subpoint, I've got five sub-subpoints, and under each, no. <laughs> first, number one, how does, what's the first element in God's unfolding plan for your life? Sometimes God gives us a warning. Sometimes God gives us a warning. Take a look in Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Sometimes God uses warnings from his word to reveal his sovereign plan. But I want you to understand something. First, warnings are there for our benefit. Warnings are there for our benefit. I, I, I'm thankful when, when there are signs on the road, hey, upcoming construction or, or caution, or could you imagine if you were going over the Walt Whitman and nobody put a sign up that says bridges out? Hello? You know, that, that, would be, that would be pretty bad. And sometimes when we look at God's warning, we almost look at God's warnings as something like, man, why is he trying to limit us? No, he's trying to protect us. Amen. Why is he trying to, to cramp my fun? And, 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 and look, you're looking at God the wrong way. God is trying to protect us so that that way we don't fall into the ditches of life so that we don't get hurt, so that, that, we, that we don't get off the path, if you will. What is it about God's warnings? Sometimes God's warnings, they're hard to obey. Obedience to God's warnings can be hard or can be difficult, we would say. Obedience to God's warnings can be difficult. I want you to take a look at verse 14 there. Of Matthew 2. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. I want you to turn to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. If you're a new Christian, that's in the Old Testament. Use the front of your Bible, and the, the Bible's broken up into two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, total 66 books. But in the, in the front of your Bible, there's like an index there, and it'll show you, or a concordance, I should say, a, a table of contents, if you will, and it'll show you what page number the book of Daniel's on, and just go there, use it. That's what it's there for, okay? 
It says that they took the young child, Joseph arose, got Mary, and took the young child by night. Obedience to God's warning can be difficult. Difficult does not mean impossible. Difficult is that which takes much effort. That's what difficult is. So sometimes God gives a warning and and obedience to it will take effort on our part. And it may take much effort on our part. Obeying God is not always the easiest thing for us to do. Many times up front, it's even harder than doing what's wrong. It really is. And whenever we don't obey God's, uh, obey the warning of God, it's wrong no matter how right it may feel. Remember that. Whenever we don't obey the warning of God, it is wrong no matter how right it may feel. See, to obey God at times, it requires a great deal of work. There may be a lifestyle change if you want to obey God. It could be a location change if you want to obey God. But obedience to the warning of God is always the right way to live. I want you to take a look at Daniel chapter 1 because we see here that there was a young man that obeyed God, the warnings of God. In Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure's house of his God. And the king spake unto Aspenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and, in, and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. Now among these were, were of the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, unto whom the princes of the eunuchs gave name, for he gave unto Daniel the name of Belshazzar. That, sounds, that to me is a really cool name. If I had a son, I might name him that Belshazzar. And to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. I heard a young little boy in our children's church was answering a question. The teachers asked, what were the three names of the children of Israel that were taken captive with Daniel? What were Daniel's three friends' names? And he said, well, Meshach, well, it was Shadrach, Meshach, and away we go. Now, <laughs> but here you go. Look at Daniel here. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the princes of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. I want you to note a couple things. Obedience to God's warning can be difficult. You've got to remember, Daniel was taken captive. Daniel was taken captive not because of his own sin. 
Daniel was placed in a situation not because of his own sin. He was part of the nation of Israel and their sin. But he was just one of the casualties of the circumstance. And Daniel was brought to Babylon by the king, uh, to, to, to be in the king's court because of the God-given abilities that Daniel had been given. Daniel was a brilliant young man. Daniel was a well-trained man. He was going to be able to learn their language, it says, to be, learn the language of the Chaldeans. And there, Daniel was faced with a choice, to eat what the king had said that he was to eat, and to drink what the king had said he was to drink, and defile himself before God. Or he could obey God, not eat what the king had said, and not drink what the king had said to drink. You might say, well, what's the big deal? It's just, it's just food. Well, it was a huge deal because God had certain restrictions, dietary laws for his people, number one. But it was also a huge deal because refusing what the king said could mean death for him. The king could have said, fine, you're not going to do what I want you to do. You're done. See, it wasn't easy to obey God. But Daniel obeyed God, and God protected Daniel. What we find later on is that God actually honored Daniel because, his because of his obedience, even when it was hard. Listen, if obedience to God's warning was always easy, every Christian would follow the warnings of God. But obedience isn't always easy. But listen, obedience to God always brings God's provision. And it always brings God's protection. You say, wait a second. I know about some martyrs. What about Fox's Book of Martyrs? Those people, they were obedient unto God and they lost their heads. It is appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. It still brought God's protection. You say, what do you mean? Have you ever read the stories and found out the amazing grace that was poured out upon their life while they were being burnt at the stake? While they were still praising God when they were being sawn asunder? While they were still praising God when they were being dipped into hot oil? While they were still praising God when they were being fed to, 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 to uh, hungry lions? That's not normal, folks. That's God's protection. Hey, when we're, when we're in a life and death situation, the first thing that we want to do is we want to defend our life. We will fight to the nth degree to continue to live. It's inbred in us. Why? Because God created us to live forever. But it's inbred in us. We will fight to the end. We want, we want to live. But even in the face of great difficulty, those people were still protected by God and God was honored through it. And when you obey God, even when it's hard, there's his provision and there's his protection. If I were to ask you this morning, and we were to take a survey, and I said, how many in here this morning would, would like to be put in a position of vulnerability? How many people in here would like to be susceptible to emotional or physical attack or harm? I don't think that too many people would volunteer for that position this morning. But we, when we refuse to obey the warnings of God, even when they are difficult, we are now susceptible to the consequences of making choices that go against God. 
See, disobedience to the warning of God, friends, places us in a very vulnerable position. So everyone, we've all got a choice here this morning, all of us, pastor included, okay? We can choose to follow that which at times is very hard and have the protecting and providing hand of God upon us, or we can choose to go our own way and leave ourselves totally vulnerable to the circumstances around us and to the consequences of our choice. What would you rather have, be totally vulnerable and susceptible, or would you rather be protected and provided for? We have a choice, and when God gives a warning, though it may be hard to obey that warning, though it may be difficult, we must do it. But secondly, obedience to God's warning is to be without hesitation. Obedience to God's warning is to be without hesitation. It says in our text, it says, when he arose by night. When he arose by night. In verse 13, it tells us that. And when he arose, it says, it says, arise and flee. There are two words in verse 13. Arise and flee. Arise, it means to get up, and it's a sense to wake up out of bed. So what was happening here? Joseph was sleeping. Mary was sleeping. Baby Jesus was sleeping there, the young child. And, and he, uh, Joseph had a dream. And the angel told him what, what he told him there in the scriptures. And, and he said, I want you to rise. Or he's saying, I want you to wake up now and go do something. I want you to follow this command now. It's to be without hesitation. The second one is to flee. It means to, to run away quickly. It means to escape. So the angel was saying, look, get up now and escape now. It's a command for Joseph to do this. Joseph didn't wait till the next morning. It doesn't say that. It says he arose and then by night. Joseph received a warning. He woke up, woke up Mary. They got Jesus up and took off in the middle of the night. No explanation to the family, no goodbyes, no complaining, just total obedience to what God had told them to do. No hesitation whatsoever. I can't help but think that if that had been us, we would have probably made all kinds of excuses. You said, Pastor, I wouldn't have made an excuse if an angel would have come to me in a dream. Wait a second, the Bible says we've got a more sure word of prophecy. The Bible's given us plenty of warnings, and it gives us plenty of things that we are supposed to do immediately. I can't help but think that we would have made excuses why it's not a good idea to travel at night. And at that time, in those, in those countries, it wasn't a good idea to travel at night. It was a dangerous thing to do. We would have, we would have told Jesus, we would have told God, now wait a second, God, Jesus, Jesus is sleeping right now and he needs to sleep. He's a baby and, you know, he's got to get his nap time and this is his nap time. We may have said that it would just be better for us to travel during the day so that, that way, you know, we don't have to worry about thieves. We might have said, well, I would like to say goodbye to mom and dad before we head out or, God, you're not even giving me time to pack properly. You know, I've got a little child now and I've, I've got to make sure that he has everything that he needs and I'm telling you, we would have made all kinds of excuses. You say, how do you know that preacher? Because we love convenience over conviction. We, we, we love convenience over conviction. See, if it really doesn't fit in with our schedule and our lifestyle or our thoughts or our dreams, we won't say this to God, but it's really not worth doing. See, to obey God without hesitation 
may upset our plans. To obey God without hesitation, it may upset our life. But that's exactly what Mary and Joseph did. They are example here for us that when God gives a warning, obedience to God's warning is to be without hesitation. You say, why is that? It's because when, hesitate, when you wait to be obedient to God, whenever you've waited, think about times when you were obedient to God immediately and think about times when you waited. When you were obedient to God, there was no second doubts. There was, you, ju you just did it. You knew that it was right to do. You knew that God had told you to do it. You knew that it lined up with a book. You weren't going half-cocked out there. You, you knew exactly what God had told you, to, and you did it. For example, let's just do the simple illustration. You've got some invite cards, okay? And the Holy Spirit prompts your heart, you need to give this track, whatever you want to call it, a track or invite card to that person. And you do it immediately. Like, hey, you know, I'd just like to invite you out to our church. I'm so-and-so, and I'd like to invite you out to our church, and we'd love to be able to have you. On the back of this card, it tells you how you can know for sure that if you were to die right now, you'd go to heaven. And, you know, I just care about people. I love people, and I wouldn't want to see anybody not be able to uh, go to heaven. And this tells you how you can get to heaven for sure. Man, when you do that, guess what? Man, inside, there's like, oh, man, I I'm glad that I did that. That was the right thing to do. Then there are other times when you have the, the track or the invite card and God says, I want you to talk to this person. Maybe they're pretty big and scary. Maybe they're ugly. Like Brother Dave. <laughs> I'm jealous of every, every guy that has hair. You know? <laughs> But I, I, for whatever reason, and, and when you hesitate, what do you start doing? But, but you start thinking, but what if they don't like me? But, but what if they make fun of me? But what if, but what if, but what if, but, 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 man, we, we start making excuses. Don't, when we hesitate, that's, that's the point. When we hesitate in being obedient to God, Satan gets in and he puts all these different kind of doubts in our minds. Listen, Satan doesn't want you to be obedient to God. He wants you to hesitate because that way he can get you to question. That way he can get you to doubt. That way he can get you to start thinking about everything else except for what you know you're supposed to be obedient to God about. But that's a very simple illustration. But you know it's the truth because it's happened to all of us. I will never, ever forget the time, and I've told you this before, that I was on a plane and I was flying. I can't remember where, to or from, preaching engagement. And I remember the Holy Spirit specifically speaking to me and saying, you need to witness to this man. You know, in my heart, not audibly, okay? You need to witness to this man. And I'm thinking, oh, man, it's a long flight. I really don't want to. What if, what if he, you know, gets mad at me? What if he thinks I'm, I'm a, 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 a crazy person? What if he thinks that I'm a Bible thumper? What if, what if he, you know, all these things. And then fear started creeping in and time went on and time went on time went on. We are now making our final descent into wherever. We landed the plane. We got off the plane. And I never witnessed to him. You know, I prayed for that man. I said, Lord, please help somebody to get to him. You say, why is that? Because I feel that his blood will be on my hands. All because of disobedience. See, if I had just been immediately obedient unto the Lord... I live with that. 
I'm thanking the Lord that he forgives me for it. Thank him for his grace. But look, all of us have done that at one time or another. There's been something where we should have been obedient to the Lord and we haven't been. Why? Because we hesitated. And when we hesitate, doubt will set in. It is a foothold for Satan to get in. See, Satan wants us to second guess what we know God has called us to do. And if Satan can get you to second guess what God has called you to do, he's won. What's the third aspect here when God gives a warning? Obedience to God's warning may mean waiting. Obedience to God's warning may mean waiting. Take a look at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 15. And there was until the death of Herod, and was there, I'm sorry, until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. I'd like you to write down right beside that. If you, if you like to write notes in your Bible or whatever, um, if you don't, that's okay. But if you do, I mark my Bible up. I'd like you to put, this is a reference to Hosea 11.1. 1. You can put like a little CF for cross-reference or XR for cross-reference and then write Hosea 11.1. 1. Right by that verse. It says in Hosea 11.1, 1, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. It was the nation of Israel that was led into Egypt. Remember with me when there was the famine there in, in the land of Canaan. And because of, the, because of the danger of the famine, it was going to cause those, the people of Israel to die had they not going to a safe place. And then you know the story with me if you've been in church for any length of time, how uh, Joseph was sold into slavery into Egypt and then God used all that to bring Joseph's family, the, the very beginning of the nation of Israel, into Egypt for protection. The nation of Israel was led to escape to Egypt for protection. And so Joseph and Mary, Jesus' physical parents, were led into Egypt to escape the danger of King Herod. It says that they were there until the death of Herod. Now listen, this is where obedience can become even a greater challenge. Obedience to God can be challenging to each of us when you don't know how long the wait for your answer or deliverance will take. Obedience to God can be challenging to us when we don't know how long the wait for our answer or deliverance will take. See, Joseph and Mary had no way of knowing how long they were going to have to be in Egypt. They didn't know that. We, we know because we got the story right in front of us. But hey, folks, they were writing the story, if you will. This is their life. They did not know how long they were going to have to wait. They, God just said, go to Egypt and wait. And they were obedient See, what happens is the indefinite timetable is what causes great challenges for obedience sometimes. It causes us some, some challenges in our heart and our mind. But when we obey God's warning and wait on him, we can see God's sovereign plan unfold around us. You know, it wouldn't have been good enough for Joseph to go to Egypt and then for him to leave on his own choosing. It was God who had to call Joseph out of Egypt. And it was God who had the appointed time for Joseph to leave Egypt. Had Joseph left Egypt on his own doing, just said, you know what? We've waited long enough. 
This is long enough to wait, and, and, and I, I'm going to move forward. It would have probably cost them great difficulty. I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. See, partial obedience is total disobedience. Did you hear that? This is actually an oxymoron. There's really no such thing as partial obedience, right? <laughs> but partial obedience is total disobedience. And whenever we try and get ahead of God, it always leads to problems. And heeding God's warning may mean that you've got to wait. I don't know about you, but God is teaching me to wait. Waiting is hard for us. But when we learn it, we stay on the path of God's sovereign plan for us. In Genesis chapter 12, take a look at verse 2. This is God talking to Abram at this point. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. God promised Abram that he would be a great nation. The only problem was that Abram and Sarai, at this point, the names have not changed, did not have any children. The promise was made to Abram when he was 75 years old. Ten years have now passed, and nothing then in Genesis chapter 15, the promise is restated again to Abram and Sarai, and still no child. Now take a look at Genesis chapter 16. This is a biblical example of someone who did not wait for what God wanted, and it caused big problems. Genesis chapter 16 and verse 1. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. The waiting and the wanting of a child just got too much, I guess, for Sarai. And she gave her handmaid to Abram, and he had a child by her. But there was a problem. The problem is God didn't say that, that the Egyptian would bear a child for Abram. God said, Sarai, you will bear a child for Abram. See, what happened was they didn't want to wait. And there were problems immediately in the household. If you read that passage, you can find there were problems immediately. But guess what? Not only were there problems immediately, we're living with the problems today. We're living with the problems today. All because someone did not wait on God. I wonder how many problems we're causing future generations because we're not waiting on God. You say, well, I'm not a Bible character. Well, they didn't think they would be either. <laughs> it's not the point of whether somebody's a Bible character or not. The point is whether we're going to be obedient to God or not. You know, they had to wait 25 years for the fulfillment of that prophecy. Listen, friends, God doesn't need our ingenuity. He doesn't need our help to fulfill his sovereign plan. What he wants is our obedience, and our obedience means waiting on God and his timing. 
I want you to think about something as we come to a close here. Since God is God, and God can do as he pleases, could not God make obedience to his warning easy all the time? Could, could he make obedience to his warning to, have no, to, to, to not have to be so instantaneous? I mean, since God is God, why wouldn't he just, just fit his warnings and his sovereign plans into the plans that we already have? I mean, he is God and he can do what he pleases. And he can do anything. Right? Well, yes, God can do those things, but there are reasons why he doesn't do things that way. The reason that God, you say, well, I, why can't God just make obedience easy all the time? Why does it have to always be immediate? Well, see, first, I would say, because God knows what's best for us more than we know what is best for us. Remember that. When you're not wanting to wait, remember, God knows what's best for us more than we know what's best for us. Second, God would not really be God if, if in our lives, if he worked everything around our plans and our schedules. If he always made it easy for us to obey his warnings, then there would be no love or loyalty to God at all. Thirdly, if God acted in such a way toward us, we would be the ones in charge and not God. We would be, small g, God, and God would just be a blessing dispenser for us. To come to him whenever we want, to be able to get whatever we want, just to get our way. And fourthly, which is really the whole crux of the matter, is the reason that sometimes it's so difficult to obey God's warning, and the reason that we are to obey without hesitation, and the reason that we may have to wait, it all comes down to this, it is a matter of faith. Are we going to trust God? It is a test of our faith in God. God knew how difficult it would be for Mary and Joseph. He knew that obeying immediately would take them out of their comfort zone. He knew all about Mary and Joseph's circumstance. And don't believe the lie that God does not know about your particular circumstance or that he does not care. And that's the reason why you cannot obey his warning. God does know about your circumstance. God does love you. And God does have a sovereign plan that he wants to unfold for you today. But obeying God will take heeding his warning. If you're going to come to Christ, every single one of us has had to heed the warning of God. Say, what's that? You've had to heed the warning that, that, that if you don't accept Jesus Christ as the only way, that God says, I'm going to tell you, no matter if you do good works in my name or not, depart from me for I never knew you. God's giving us a warning this morning, and he's telling us that there's only one way to heaven, and the warning is if you don't accept that free gift of salvation, then the warning is that you will end up in eternity for hell. Nobody will pray you out. Nobody will give, you, give enough money to get you out. And once you're there, there is no getting out. And the warning is for those of you who do not know Christ as your personal Savior, is to accept the Lord Jesus Christ 
You say, well, I've got my religion. Well, I'm glad you got your religion. But let me ask you a question. Is your religion good enough to die by? And by the way, I'm the most unreligious preacher that you'll ever meet. I don't want anything to do with religion. You say, well, why is that? Because religion is man-made. Jesus doesn't talk about religion. The only thing he talks about is a relationship. There are all different types of tags out there. And if you're going to hang your eternal security on a tag, then guess what? You're going to fail. It's not about whether you're Baptist or Episcopalian, Lutheran or, or Catholic or Presbyterian or whatever, whatever tag you've got out there. It is about whether you've heeded the warning of Jesus Christ and you have come to him and you have asked him into your heart and you say, I accept you by faith and faith alone. I believe in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only Savior. He is the only way. He is truth and he is life. And I'm asking him to come into my heart and in my life and to forgive me of my sins. Though I may still sin after I get saved, I realize that they're all forgiven and underneath the blood and I am his and he is mine and when life ceases in my body I will go to be with him for all of eternity Amen. or you can reject the warning and do your own thing Christian friend what, what's God's plan for your life is he giving you a warning sometimes that soft little voice you should say something's just not right maybe I just shouldn't Guess what? You probably shouldn't then. So how do I know? Start looking up in the Word of God. Just follow the warnings of God and you will see His sovereign plan for your life unfold. And it's a plan that you could never imagine how God could use you.